The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. It just dawned on me this week. Like tomorrow, the day after, is supposed to be the end of early bird pricing on the pilgrimage trip. Oh yes, and since right. it snuck up on you and I, we have decided to extend it a week. No, I'm I'm glad we've we've extended this. You're hearing correctly. We're extending the early bird pricing on the pilgrimage adventure mm-hmm. over Labor Day weekend for a number of reasons. But like I said, like Todd just said, we're we're getting uh, a little surpri- overwhelmed with it's things surprised rolling in here. Yeah, it surprised us how much is going on, and we're trying to get this trip locked down. Thank you to those of you that are already going. There's a good trip, about a half trip going already, which is really cool. We've got cars we've been locking in, but we've been talking with our contacts, RSR over in Germany, locking in cars, talking about pricing and all that kind of stuff. We thought, you know what? So much going on. Yeah. You've got an extra week, so till mid-July, you can still get early bird pricing. Remember, this is not just, hey, come take some laps. And if you've seen our pilgrimage right. film, it's also not... Best of luck to you on Distant Farton. It's not just, you know, throw you to the wolves. <laughs> right, These are right. closed track days, so they're far less madness. You get instructors riding in the car with you. That's all part of the trip fee. You have instructors with you, so you're not going to ding yourself or any guardrails. You can learn the tracks right. Full track day on the Nürburgring, full track day at Spa. Hard to get that worked out, which is why we've done it for you. Everydaydriver.com slash adventures. Go to the adventures tab, and we'd love to have you, so come join yeah. us. Agreed, agreed. You are definitely invited. We've got a couple of great debates here, along with some headlines, but the debates, one of which is for Edgar, our mm-hmm. shooter. He's in Los Angeles, and he is selling his Honda S2000. I remain shocked that he's selling his Honda S2000. I it, still can't believe It has given either. me bad, should I buy an S2000 thoughts. I have to admit. <laughs> I, 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 I was wondering if this is going to work on you yeah. and just sort of nag at your yeah, conscience like, over hmm, here. I've always wanted an S2000. Could I get it? No, I, I mean, shouldn't do that. We just got in it on the on the shoot recently. When we shot the Alpha M3 piece, which actually was our last episode of Velocity Season 1 and is coming to YouTube in a couple of weeks. Yes. So look for it there. That's a piece we're really proud of. Edgar helped us shoot on that. And he brought his S2000, met us at the shoot. And a couple times during that day, we wound up in the S2000. I kept getting out of it going, man, that's a fun car. So we're going to try to debate <laughs> a live debate. For Edgar, he's going to be on the podcast doing a live debate here in just a few minutes. We've also got Mateel writing in, and everyone, this car debate just came through mm-hmm. recently. Mateel, hello. Hello to you and your family. Everyone, Mateel is nine years old. Mm-hmm. And even more, he's a huge fan of Everyday Driver, and he has listened to 20 hours of the podcast in the last two weeks. I don't know if I should say thank you or I'm sorry, but yeah, thanks yeah. for that. That's so cool. he is actually writing on behalf of his family, on behalf of his dad. They're buying a new car yep. and needs our help. So we're honored and really excited to debate that. But before we jump into these debates, we've got mm-hmm. some news that I think has riled both you and I up a little bit. Yes, and, and many of you have asked about this piece of news, and it's all mm-hmm. the stuff that is everywhere right now in the press about Volvo. Yeah, you've you've probably heard this. You've probably read it recently. Volvo announced that they would be the first major manufacturer to start phasing out vehicles mm-hmm. powered solely by fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So solely the gasoline and ele- but, and diesel cars. But I, I can't hold back the rant any longer. Because, I, I, because I just wanted to establish the baseline that, here. Well, yes, but the baseline has to be further explained because what we have to do is talk about the headline. Because the headline everywhere is essentially this. Volvo. Only making electric cars starting in 2019. Volvo has now scared Tesla and the stock price tumbles. Volvo is going all electric. Who's going to follow next? These are the headlines. Folks, the headline is not the reality. 
It's not. And talk about spin or marketing or PR or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. It's all of these things that have combined to make all of us think Volvo's going purely electric starting in 2019 Mm -hmm. when that just isn't true. Yes, what they're doing is every one of their cars up into 2019, you'll be able to buy whatever, and we'll get back to that in a minute. Starting in cars that are starting in 2019 going forward, what they're saying is all of their models, new models from there on, will have an electric component. Yes. They might be electric vehicles, but let's be honest. I suspect that means one, maybe two models will be electric. The rest will be essentially a Prius. It'll be a Mm side-by-side hybrid. It'll be an Mm -hmm. electric gasoline engine hybrid. Possibly even, depending on how they do it, I suppose it could be electric diesel. But the the headline that they're going all electric is incorrect if you read it thinking all only Volvo makes the only thing Volvo makes is electric vehicles. They will make all of their vehicles with an electric component, but they will be hybrids. And I bet you more than half the lineup will be hybrid. That doesn't mean this isn't news. It's huge news. Oh, it's news. But definitely. I feel like it's been served up a little bit bait and switch. More than that. Here's Volvo's statement summarized. They've announced that from 2019, every Volvo launched from that point, meaning new cars, will have an electric motor marking the historic end of cars that have only a gas engine, Mm -hmm. internal combustion Mm -hmm. engine, or diesel. So it places electrification at the core of its future business. And this comes on the heels of them announcing Polestar, the brand, Mm -hmm. going all electric. Yeah. And so then I thought, all right, reading the headlines, just skimming real quick, I thought, all right, well, then Volvo, the brand, is going all electric. But that just isn't true because cars that are currently in production, like their massive gas and diesel business already going on, <laughs> yeah. those will continue to remain in yeah. production as 2019. But that's not a new model. So there's the trickery. They not, mm-hmm. They're not new models. Those will soldier on in production. Fair, but fair. But new models from 2019 will have some sort of component to it that's electric. That's, another, that's an interesting another point, because you're right. If they have a car that they keep selling up until uh, – it's being sold now, and they sell it up until 2021, that model will never go electric. Correct. That model it's just exists. It's being model. phased out. It's new model. Sorry, that's another right. good way to look at it. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. You're right there. You're very right. But you know what the thing I thought about, though? While this is big news, all the breadcrumbs for Volvo have been here for a while. Yeah. And and the big yeah. thing I want to make a point on is their current engine lineup. Okay. They keep beating on the exact same four-cylinder. Come into yeah. Volvo right now and you yeah. can get our four-cylinder. You can get our four-cylinder with a turbo. You can get our four-cylinder with a turbo and a supercharger. I mean, the same engine is soldiering mm-hmm. on doing like 100 to 150 horsepower or like 300 and something in, sure. the, in the big boys. It's the same engine block. Yeah. Yeah. Just they keep screwing extra blowers to it. So what this <laughs> means is, if you think about it in those terms, what this means is two things. One, Volvo right now has no engine that is a remarkable Volvo engine. It's not like – think about the flat plane crank that Ford has. I'm think so about glad the big LS that Chevy has. Yeah. Most automakers have got the engine they're known for. Volvo's got a little screaming four-cylinder that they keep screwing snails to. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> so what will change here is you can take – this makes all kinds of sense. You can take that same four-cylinder, remove the turbos and superchargers, put on an electric motor, give it instant torque off the line – that I mean, think of think of the Prius. It's the Prius model. Mm-hmm. It makes all kinds of sense. You don't have an engine of heritage that you're getting rid of. I mean, they used to do the the cool five cylinders, but we're talking about now. Yeah, it's just yeah. all the four cylinder world. So they're not killing an engine that we're all in love with. It's just a workhorse engine. Put electric motors with it. This makes sense. You're right. And to beat on that further, can you imagine a Mustang without the V8? 
or a yeah. 911 without the flat six yeah. or yeah, yeah, some yeah. iconic mm-hmm. heritage engine, as you said. We're not going to be missing that. There's no Volvo engine. If only they kept making that Volvo. No. Well, they already stopped. So yeah, they since did. those are all in their past anyway they and they have this current four-cylinder, what are we killing? Really nothing. <laughs> well, in, along these lines here, there's another statement, another newsworthy headline that has kind of come in conjunction with this. And that is from France, who's announced they're ending the sale of gas and diesel-powered vehicles by the year 2040 in their bid to become a carbon neutral nation. Mm-hmm. And that was announced by their energy minister yeah. most recently. So thereby yeah, yeah. promoting electric cars. Okay. Interesting statement and, you know, stake in the ground for them. It is. That's fine. It is. That's fine. But but there's a couple of things there. That That is quite a sweeping statement for, for a nation to say. However, and, and, you know, they've already talked about how before that Paris is going to have restrictions on how old a car can be and how sure, much CO2. Sure. That's already happened for Paris, and they're trying to, to enact that. But between now and 2040, I just want to bring this up real quick. I don't want to get political, but I do want to acknowledge this reality. Think about the number of presidents we're going to have between now and 2040. Think In about the, the US, number of presidents talking. France is going to have between oh, now yeah. and 2040. Yeah. This is legislation, folks. This isn't concrete. Mm-hmm. So while this is made point. news right now because of the current people leading France, the people that lead France 10 years from now could kill this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's not news. Doesn't mean that to some degree we're headed this way. But the other thing that keeps getting missed, I keep seeing it in like almost like the last paragraph footnote we almost wanted to put it in a smaller font in all these articles. <laughs> Electric cars are like less than 3% of the market. Yeah. So you can say we're not going to have anything that's not an electric car, but between now and 2040, I admit that's some time, but there's going to be an awful lot of ramp up of availability. Otherwise, we're all standing on the sidewalk going, where's my car? Right, right. I agree. And, you know, with the Volvo announcement, I feel like here Volvo's trying to make headlines and they haven't really done anything yet in this world, in this business, whereas every other car manufacturer on the planet is already there or thinking about it mm-hmm. and has a car in production. Yeah. Chevy Bolt exists. Yeah. I mean, every three, I eight. Yep. You know, they're Porsche's all, got the e-tron coming. Exactly. Everybody's pushing on this already. Everybody's pushing on all these different, you know, here's what we're, t- our take on mm-hmm. these cars and this market. Yeah. Everybody's already kind of doing that. So does that make Volvo late to this game? Does well, that make them this? Oh yeah. We better announce something too. Yeah. Hey, everybody look at us mm-hmm. and their names mm-hmm. in the news. But everybody else is doing this already. Yeah, everybody else has already kind of done some sort of model along those lines. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, I believe Volvo will do it, uh, but I think it's interesting. Agreed. All of the oh, it's almost like popcorn headlines. This is created. This happens, mm-hmm. and there were so many headlines tied to it, and and I just kind of feel like, all right, let's let's back up a second and and deconstruct it. Because it's not exactly as it appears in the headline, but it's fascinating, and it does suggest an ongoing seismic shift. I mean, I'm fascinated. I got into a big conversation with somebody today. They were asking me, what do I think CarTech's going to do in 10 years? By the way, side note, I don't know. But <laughs> but we, we theorized for a while. Sure. Because there, there's things that this we can is, pull out. This is clearly going to start affecting everything. Uh, what is your propulsion? How, how electric is it? And what is your autonomy? These are two things that are going to start bleeding their way through the whole industry uh, and changing many, many things. But I don't think, I mean, there, there seems to be this segment that, well, in 10 years, there will be no gasoline cars. Not true. No, Not true. No, no. So it's interesting to start watching pieces of the puzzle shift. But even this Volvo thing is such bait and switch. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I hope car manufacturers continue to look at improving manufacturing processes and 
industry pollution output mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. focusing on jumping to legislation and trying to satisfy legislation. Legislation yeah. will continue to evolve, as you said, worldwide sure. for sure. decades. It'll shift this way. It'll shift that way. Absolutely. It back and does. forth. So let's go after excellent technology, good production processes, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. And Across the board. And generally push you to be in alignment with legislation rather than, well, we got to meet France's 2040 <laughs> mandate that's now that might yeah. change or you know, be added yeah. to or whatever, let's just, you know, continue to go. So that is why gasoline engines will continue to be around. It's very interesting how all of this stuff is changing. And while we're at it, you know, it would be nice if your, if your, how about if your car factory was carbon neutral? Here we go. I mean, industrial you know, output. What about, you know, the tankers that are burning 10,000 gallons of kerosene an hour? <laughs> and there's really no regulation on the output of those smokestacks. Because, because you don't see that go by your front yard. That's you why. You don't, you don't Electricity see that. Electricity comes think, out of the wall, right? Exactly, you don't think about it mm -hmm. when it's out there in the middle of the Pacific chugging away, floating through plastic. You know, you don't think about it. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's I out of sight, out of mind. Who cares? That doesn't matter. <laughs> That, that just goes away. It's, it doesn't matter. Oh. So let's actually try to do a car debate. Uh, let's actually get Edgar on the phone and uh, see if we can talk about what the heck are you doing, man? You're selling your S2000. Yes, I am. I actually just posted it officially today. Wow. Okay. It's official then. If you've posted it, then she's for sale, isn't she? So what? what's the stats on your S2000 you're selling? Okay, so it's um, it's an 07, uh, obviously AP2. Yeah. Um, and it has about 82,000 miles. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's 100% stock. Um, the only thing that isn't stock, I guess, is, uh, it has a pair of fog lights, but other than that, it's mm. stock. I've, uh, you know, I've made sure to keep up with everything. I've done all the, the necessary work and, uh, I just put new summer tires on it, got an alignment and all that nice stuff. Cool. Cool. Excellent. So if you live in Los Angeles and want an S2000, we can give you Edgar's information. I'm going to put that yeah, out there because no that's what, what do you have it listed for? I have it listed for eighteen nine nine nine. Okay. Oh, and I will say, I will say, to add to this, um, it does come with a warranty. A really? warranty? Yeah, it's a warranty. I purchased a bumper-to-bumper -bumper warranty when I purchased the car for two years, um, and I've had the car for about a year now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah no kidding. So, so it has another year left. That's even better. That's actually pretty cool. That's actually that's, a pretty good selling point. That's really cool. Absolutely. And it is a gorgeous red with the stock wheels. It's one of the best configurations mm -hmm. of that car. I am trying to not have bad thoughts about <laughs> selling say, my car and getting that one. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about S2000s for the listeners so uh -huh. yeah. many times. Yeah. Here is one, a great one for sale. Yeah. Edgar, you mentioned to us that people comment on the stock nature of your car and compliment you on that, that it's actually a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great thing. I mean, uh, that was one of the things that I was looking for when I first picked up the car. Um, I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, stock, that it hadn't been modified at all. And I was able to find a really clean one. Actually, when I first purchased the car, the wheels did not have one tiny ding on them. They were the, the stock wheels that came with the car. Wow. Um, yeah, at the moment, they're about 98% still brand new there's like tiny itty bitty little things here and there but they're barely noticeable hmm. amazing well done on that that and your car having driven in it and having ridden in it they're awesome. I do have yeah, to say the passenger seat is not the best place for guys over six feet but driver's seat's awesome it's perfect all right, so we've got to decide what's next for you. I well, mean, that is, yeah, exactly. Here we go. I guess I have to start with why. Why are you selling it? You yeah. love this car. I mean, you're coming from the GTI, uh -huh. Honda Accord. Wow, the Accord was way back, wasn't yeah. it? 
then GTI, yeah. then what am I missing? Yeah, I went straight from the GTI to the S2000. Okay, okay. Um, I really, I really loved that GTI. I enjoyed it a lot, except that it was not very reliable. <laughs> right. And everything was very, very, very expensive. I mean, just replacing the clutch, clutch was almost $2,000. So Dang, wow. You wow. know. You had a Mark Six, yeah. right? Uh, Mark Five. Oh, you had a Five. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. And you, how long did you have that car? I had the Mark Five for about three years. Okay. All right. So you've had the S two thousand for one. So so why are you moving on? I'm just curious. Um, I need something. I mean, I guess a lot of S two thousand owners kind of you know don't realize it. They they want a sports car, but I definitely need something more practical. Sure. Um, I I do a lot of camping. I I do a lot of cycling. I yeah, that's um, true. I like to have the space. That's what I loved about the GTI. It was so like I could take people, I could take my stuff, um, and it was fun. But the S2000 is fun. But I just you know also when I go on shoots, like I have a bunch of gear and sure, yeah, you know, definitely. It's it's just. That's really the reason. I mean, I love the car, but... The S2000 is not a gear car. It's definitely no, not, it's a not a gear car. And, and here's Todd, you know, yeah. wanting to go to even more impractical by yes. considering Elise's. Yes, exactly. But it sounds like you're getting back into cycling and, you know, all the lifestyle, you know, the activity stuff. And it sounds like the the S2000 would be a great second car for you, mm-hmm. but that's just not yeah, in the cards right now. So yeah. you've got to have, I'm thinking, I'm hearing less of a sports car. Is that what I'm hearing from you? That is what you're hearing. Wow. Unfortunately. So so budget wise, yeah. what are we dealing with here? Budget wise, I'm I'm at about twenty. Um, okay. I can stretch it a little bit if I you know, it's something that I really feel like I I'd really enjoy and that's a good it's a good deal, but it's about twenty. Okay. Do you have anything you're already looking at? What are what's in your sights already? I've been looking every day for like the last week. Uh oh. Have you um, really? The world's nicest yeah. Volkswagen Vanagon, maybe? <laughs> no. <laughs> the Westphalia edition with all the extra stuff. Seriously. Look, it cooks. Fits your lifestyle. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, I think a WRX is probably the closest thing I'm going to find for something mm. that checks all the, all, the, all, the, uh, all the boxes. Okay, so the current gen? Like a used couple-year-old current gen then? Yeah, okay. uh, definitely a current gen. I actually looked at the previous gen, and those things are ridiculously overpriced at the moment. Mm. Really? Like a 2010? Because yeah, hatch- a 2010 came to my mind as far as the you know the shoe, the hatchback, you know, get yeah. stuff in. What well, about that one? I think yeah. that's why they're overpriced is because people are chasing the hatch. Oh, could the be. Hatch, the, I found the hatchbacks are more expensive than the current gen today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, hello Subaru. Yeah, You're missing a market like, segment. Hi, no hello. Kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, big time. Interesting. Okay, so you're looking at those. You're gravitating towards those. I mean, are you checking the inventory on various sites daily? <laughs> I now? am. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm, about I'm looking at the 500 miles away? Okay. All right. Wow. So, so what about? Uh, I mean, it's not all wheel drive, but I'm just thinking out loud here. What about Focus ST or what about uh, two series BMW? Oh yeah, and manual or automatic? Because that's that's a defining factor here. I I would love the car to be manual, but realistically, just looking at what's out there, I don't know that that's going to be an option. Mm-hmm. So if I do end up having to go with something that's automatic, I definitely want it to be um, like a dual-clutch transmission instead of a CVT. Okay. That's the only problem with the WRX. Because the yeah. current WRX, now it's, now it's like the queen of CVTs, 
That's almost a compliment. <laughs> but the current that's WRX, a backhanded yeah, compliment exactly. Right there. The current WRX, it's either the 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 six speed, which is unfortunately not the same six speed as the eighty six, which is the weirdest thing on right, the planet. Right. So it's not because so it's not quite that good. But it has a good six speed, or it has the CVT, which is the good <clears throat> CVT. So those are your options there. So that's a bit of a bummer. But have you looked? I, I'm going back to two series BMW. What about that? Yeah. <clears throat> you know what? I do like the two series, uh, and I'm looking at those as well, but. Uh, they're a little, the ones that I want, the ones that I kind of spec'd out the, the way that I like, they're, they're closer to 25. Are they? Okay. I mean, yeah. there's the ones that you can afford and then the ones you want. Exactly. That happens to all yeah. of us. Yeah, true. You know, exactly. with the trim yeah. equipment true, true. and then you write wheels and then lower mileage and all that stuff <laughs> and you go, ah. I definitely, I found one, I mean, I'd want one with the M4 package. Yes, um, you should. So, you know, obviously yeah. it's going to go, it would go up. But the second thing is, I think those things are, you know, really nice um, interior-wise. But I mean, I don't. I kind of don't want to be in a car that I have to tiptoe around. Like, I, I don't. I want people to be able to get in it. Like, mm. if it gets dirty, that's all right. You know. Sure. You don't want to be precious. I get that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, I so... Think the, the two series might be. I don't think that's going to be happening. I mean, it's it's a driver's car, but here's something way out there. You live in L.A. You're kind of a quasi beach person, but gear, mountains, road right. trips. Yeah. What about a Jeep Wrangler? Mm -hmm. huh. I did. I, that did. I was thinking about that today because a friend of mine actually had one. Really? And yeah, and he he really digs it. But that thing, it's great. Except that going from an S two thousand to a <laughs> Wrangler is going to be. <laughs> Wrenching you away bed. from the S2000. Massive, massive yes. culture shock is available yeah. there. Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm thinking middle ground here. A Mazda, right. Mazda 3. They're, yeah. they're not hot. Mazda they're not hot, but the hatch is usable. They're I'm, good looking, nice interior, good dynamics. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have thinking? been looking, those, uh, looking at those as well. I've been looking at the, uh, the ones with the 2.5. Instead of the two liter, definitely you yeah, have to, you have to do that for sure. Yep, definitely. I'm trying to find it in stick shift, and I've only found about two within 200 miles because the uh, apparently the stick shift with the larger engine is not very common. That doesn't surprise me actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's at yeah. least at least Mazda's doing real automatics. That's not a CVT. It's not they a dual are. clutch, but it's a real automatic. So yeah. that's a, a bit of a, a positive if you had to go automatic in this car. I mean, I know from knowing you and your driving, you do a lot of classic L.A. commute driving, which is a terrible, terrible place to be for. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in that, that place, I will give you a free pass on the automatic if you want one. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, So I, I think Mazda 3 is a good candidate. I like that. And then I have another one. What about a Fiat 500 Abart? Oh, that's different. Mm. Is so it I perception? Is a perception with small. that car or too small? No. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still too small. I mean, you know what? When you brought up the Mazda 3, you want to know what's funny? Um, I've actually, um, I was looking at the Audi A3, mm -hmm. and they're actually, they're actually a little about the same price as the Mazda 3. Hmm. It's kind of odd to me. What year are you looking at for the Audi A3? I found, for example, here, I'm looking at a 2015 Audi A3 1.8 premium for 19 
1999. Okay, so the one point means it's front wheel drive, which is fine. Mm -hmm. You like front wheel drive yeah. cars? You've had those. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mind, and I'd, I'd love it to be um, all wheel drive or rear wheel. But I mean, yeah. I kind of, you know, the Mazda is also front front wheel drive. Yes, it is. It I is. actually think the Mazda is going to have more space than the A3. That's my suspicion. I haven't been in either of them in a little bit, but if, if memory serves, the Mazda is going to be the roomier place. And I suspect it might be better dynamically. I was going to say, you know, I, I'm guessing that I Mazda so. might be a little bit more fun. Even though we love Audis, mm -hmm. I'm just wondering about that Mazda. It's surprisingly fun to drive. It, yeah, it's better than but, you think. I mean, your and, search for the rare And on the 500 Abarth, I do have to say, it's Fiesta-sized. It isn't four-door, but I actually think it has significantly more room in the back than the Fiesta. However, I will then acknowledge that the more room in the back is for seats, and then the trunk is is kind of laughable. So that may be a problem mm -hmm. for gear. Um, yeah. I'm desperately trying to not say Kia Soul. Who said Kia Soul? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know that anybody said that. Yeah, nobody said that. that so that I'm going to steer things towards the Fiesta ST because we've found 12, 13 grand for a Fiesta ST and leaves you money for a trailer, a you know, or a roof rack or cargo rack or yeah. something to put get, all your gear a, in. Get a tow hitch and put a, put a bike rack on What about a Fiesta it? ST? Even at 15, 17 grand, you can find some low mileage, pretty nice ones. Yeah, that'd be crazy fun. I mean, it's small, but with a cargo rack, you'd be unique. <clears throat> I, I think I know what no. Edgar's going to say, but I'm very curious if he's <laughs> okay. going to say what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know say. what I'm going to say about it. <laughs> go on, go okay. on. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, so I definitely go... Focus ST instead of Fiesta, and simply for one one simple reason is just the driving position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So here's the thing. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast. That came up when we shot our greatest hits piece that you saw either on YouTube or even on TV. We had we had the the WRX, mm -hmm. the Fiesta ST, mm -hmm. the FRS, and the um, and the EcoBoost Mustang. And the owner that brought us this Fiesta ST was like six foot one. Yeah, so, Michael. Yeah, so he showed up. So we had all of these cars, and you and I kept hopping in the Fiesta ST and getting out and laughing and talking about how great mm -hmm. it was. How tall are you, Edgar? I'm 5'9". Okay, so Edgar gets out of it and, and wanders over to me and goes, I have a thought. And I was like, <laughs> okay. He said, I think the Fiesta ST is a tall guy car. And you and I started talking about everybody we can think of that loves the car, and everybody we could think of was over six feet tall. And Edgar's comment was, I don't fit like I want to. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a big problem. It's a big, big problem. I, I would love that if you could make that work. But, yeah, it's, I, I also like that you've been with us on shoots and have driven yeah. enough stuff now to mm -hmm. really know. Because we tell, you know, everybody listening, go sure. drive these things. And Edgar's been with us and he's been yeah, shooting yeah. these cars. And so we'll give him seat time and say, yeah, go, you know, while we're on, on the shoot. Because, you know, everybody wants to experience it. And what I love is we all get together over lunch and we discuss stuff. So I, I like that you've yeah. driven a variety of stuff, too. And you know that about the Fiesta ST. Mm -hmm. You know this about yourself and that you yeah, true. You don't like it. So I, I like that that's come up. Have we made any progress for poor Edgar? I'm not sure. I think I think maybe a little bit. I've, I've, I've been going in circles, you know. Um, like I said, the Focus ST does – it's pretty close. Uh, I mean, I know it's still front-wheel drive, but, I mean, it has – but very fun. Base. Yeah, I found one uh, uh, 2016 with the Recaros mm, yeah, for 99 yeah. That's good. That's That'd good. be right in there. Yeah. That'd be right in there. You know, Jason Connor, yeah. a friend of the show that works with both Hooniverse and uh, his show Motor Affair, 
you might want to reach out to him. We could give you his contact info because Jason's got a, a Focus ST that he has really dialed. He uses that That's as right. both his commute car and his track car. That's so right. he knows those things. He could advise you on that. But I would really say to you, Edgar, I know it's been a little while. I would say get in the Focus ST, which I know you've driven before, and get in the Mazda 3. Get into both of those. Obviously, the Focus will be hotter. But I think it would yeah. be interesting to drive both of those again because I suspect, based on what we're talking about, I think one of those might get it done. Yeah. I was going to okay. say about the um, the Audi, you've had the GTI, and I feel like it yeah. would just feel like the more luxurious step up from a GTI. I don't know that it would feel all that much of a jump, actually. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I'm yeah. trying to say yeah, I get you, it. you've mm-hmm. kind of already been there, done that. I like your thinking, and it could be a contender if you hadn't already owned that GTI. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, we sure. could say, you know, go find another one. Go find – because you did like that car. You hung on to it for yeah. – you know, a long time, I three love years. That car. Yeah. So why is another one off the table? What about a Mark Six? True. True. Somewhere in there, they've done some improvements, but I know you said the the maintenance and that kind of stuff is yeah. That would be the dice roll of it for yeah. sure. Put you off. I mean, you could go back to it, but hey, newer generation, something like that. Um, yeah. Just a I'd thought. have to really look into the re- reliability of it, but mm-hmm. I mean, it did come to mind. Um, it really kind of. Had everything that I that I wanted, but I had just such a bad experience with that uh, yeah, GTI I can see that, that I'm still kind of you know salty about it. I guess. Yeah, that's that's tough to go back to for sure. You'd have to get yourself another big warranty. You could do the CarMax thing. You could, but anyway, you could. You'd, you'd have to get yourself another good warranty to go with the mm-hmm. GTI again. I do see that, but hopefully you can drive some of these and keep us informed. We'll definitely keep sharing. And again, I am serious. If you're in LA, especially, but if you're looking for a clean S2000, especially if you're in LA, we can put you in contact with Edgar because we we have both driven this car. I drove it. Yeah. When was the last we were that we were shooting the Alpha shoot? Yeah, yeah. And we Edgar kept rotating cars yeah. and we had to move your S2000 so a couple times. And I kept hopping in and I'd get out of it like, okay, I know this is about the Alpha and the M3, but have you? You notice the S2000 because it's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad we've settled on a new Honda element for you, Edgar. So that's yeah, uh, that and the Kia Soul. <laughs> really productive. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the Kia Soul. <laughs> well, thanks for being. Have to go Kia Soul. There you go. Th- thanks for being with us, man. It's great to hear you, and looking forward to shooting with you again soon. Oh well, yeah, uh, I hope to see you guys soon. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. A very quick note to talk about one of our new sponsors, AutoTempest.com. You and I are constantly looking for cars. Mm-hmm. The disease is Everybody struck. listening is constantly looking for their possible next new car. So if you enter your search once on autotempest.com, it searches all the top used car sites at once. So it's kind of an easy way to, to make sure you're not going to miss out on yeah. your next car. Yeah, one stop, yeah. Exactly right. That's T-E-M-P-E-S-T. So like a storm, autotempest.com. Well, as you know, that was Edgar. He's our shooter on the show and uh, was really fantastic to talk to him. Did, did we help him? I'm still not sure. I hope we did. I think, it's, I think he's going to go drive stuff. It's always encouragement. And we're always talking about it on all of yeah. our shoots anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're constantly, huh, well, what about this? And we talk about elements. As I mentioned you know, during mm-hmm. our phone call with him, we talk about elements we like and dislike yeah. and all those kinds of things. Do you like that, elements? <clears throat> yeah. You're trying to get him in the Honda element. That's nice. I, I really can't see that. It's a lifestyle vehicle, but, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, oh, yuck. All right, moving on. Uh, too much marketing and PR spin here. Yeah. But Mateel, as we have mentioned at the top of the podcast, he is nine years old. Mm-hmm. He's a huge fan. He's binge listening to all of our podcasts, <laughs> which is crazy. And we now that means the whole crazy. family is listening because we <laughs> yes. are going to talk about his parents and what they need for a car. I love that he's trying to help them and he's engaged enough 
to actually be worried and concerned about what they get next. He mentioned that they have a uh, 2007 GTI, and they still have that. It sounds like sounds like that's staying, but they had a Saab station wagon that has now broken down badly. They're borrowing a Honda Civic that Mateel mentions he hates. <laughs> so they're trying to find kind of the new family vehicle. Uh, let's see. This is mainly a hatchback, wagons, and CUV discussion for under 45K. Oh, I like this. And I like that his family is turning to him because he's got resources. Well, but they not, he's might, got us. They might not be, but they are now. That's the thing. <laughs> For all are. they know, this is a total surprise. So hello, family. They may be listening there going, you did what now? <laughs> you wrote to who? <laughs> well, hello, family. And yes, as Todd said, $45,000 and under. We will do our best to stay right there. But they have already been test driving lots of cars mm-hmm. that they're thinking about. So let me read this list very briefly. And then we'll move on from there, as Todd yeah, said. Again, yeah. the hatchy, wagony, CUV mm-hmm. category, whatever this nebulous world of CUVs is. Volkswagen Alltrack, Volvo V60, so yeah. the wagon, yeah, yeah. BMW X1, mm-hmm. the beloved Mazda CX-5 that you and I recommend. It's a great choice. It's a great choice. Of course, the Subaru is on this list. Subaru Outback, Audi Allroad, the Porsche Macan made the list. Mercedes GLA. Both of those have got to be used ones. Well, the GLA, you could get the, the small one. You get in, in sure. the price point. The, the Macan's sure. got to be a used one. It has to be. Oh, absolutely. Kia Sportage or Sportage. <laughs> I love <laughs> your mispronunciations on purpose. I'm sorry. Go on. It's like Escalade. Yes. That's I, not I, on the I've, list. He- I've heard of that one. Yeah. That, that's a shirt we need. We need we need a shirt that has Escalade pronounced that way incorrectly. You know, the way you do it in a dictionary. Where oh, it tells yes. You right. We need that shirt just so we can all look at each other and go, yep, we are those people. Anyway, back to the list here. The Chevy Bolt's on here. Honda Civic Touring Sport, Jag F-Pace, which I saw in a parking lot recently, and I do like that. I really had a it's chance to look around looking. it. It's great looking. And finally, the Infiniti QX60 mm-hmm. is on here. So where are we at? Again, keep in mind they already have an 07 Volkswagen GTI, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they need something else. Yeah. I started out with a few things, then I had to whittle my list, and I <laughs> finally narrowed things down to four. Okay, okay. Which I'll run through very briefly here. All right. Starting low, as you and I talked about for Edgar, that 2010 WRX. I know mm. they've gone up in price, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's still easily affordable for 45000 Oh, my gosh. You could get one Tons of money far left less. You can get new ones for twenty-five to thirty. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the twist, though. Because Mateel says they're only looking for the CUVs, but they need a reliable car that he can grow into. <laughs> I love that he's looking for the next, you know, seven years. Hey, I hope this car's still hey, around and I can savvy. drive it. Yeah, all right. Which all right. is awesome. But that means for our choice, if we choose something that's used now in seven years, when yeah. 16, sure, that sure. means it's going to be in an even older car, maintenance, higher miles, all that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm thinking as new as possible, but still walk that fine line between yeah. Yeah. depreciation on a new car versus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. too old. And then, you know, you have it for a long time, then yeah. you might even get rid of it by then. Yeah. So I started there. Then I went to the XC60, the new 2018 and newer Volvo XC60. Sure. Okay. Okay. Kind of dig this because the interior has been revised. We've been yeah, talking about Volvo. Yeah. I love what they're doing. Looks great. And yeah. that same engine tweaked mm-hmm. again. <laughs> I, How many turbos and superchargers? <laughs> I have I have extra snails and bolts. What would you like put on your engine? That's pretty much the Volvo engine department right check there. Checkboxes on the on their website here when you build your own. Yeah. All right. BMW 330i X Drive sports wagon. That, Save yeah, the wagons. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Go full wagon. I see that. I mean, full I see that. on. Yeah. 
And that's still compact enough that I feel mm -hmm. like you could really dig it. I did like the all-road suggestion, of course, the Macan and the GLA. I am acknowledging those. We just yeah. read the list and said, bravo, and mm -hmm. then continue to branch I, out I here. I applaud him for actually having this list and the family already driving these things. That means they really are digging in and looking. That's really cool. Last one here. It's out there. I don't know if we've ever recommended this. A 2015 or a 2016 Audi SQ5. Hmm. It is just under the $45,000 limit as okay. of right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're fast. Think of it as a Macan alternative. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Three, over 350 horsepower, I believe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it checks the boxes in terms of the CUV, good family space. And yes, Mateel, it is fast. <laughs> So True. I'm True. leaving it there. You can kind of pick and choose, but I love that you guys have been driving all these things and thinking about what is us? What are we as a mm -hmm. family? You know, yeah. What car suits yeah, yeah. us? Yeah, more more things to drive here, Mateel. I think that's a key thing, and I love that you're digging in on this and going, I want to say, I want to help, which I think is awesome. That's so awesome. I, I, you know what has, has made me realize, though? The next time I buy a car, this is my son. <laughs> he's going to be all about this. Yeah, he's he going to be here with a list of vehicles. Hey, Dad, why aren't we driving this? And I'm probably going to get schooled by my own child when that happens. <laughs> I, I am, can't wait. I just now realize that's bound to occur. That's two years out. I hadn't for you. thought of that until this minute. But Teal, you have simultaneously inspired and frightened me. So there you go. Uh, no, but um, here's the thing I think is interesting about this. A lot of these, we, we've got two kind of categories here. I mean, if you look at the CX-5 or the Chevy Bolt. Those are those are not big cars. Now you get five people in them if you had to, but they're not big cars. So we're not dealing yeah, in not it has to be a distances. huge SUV. So we can deal in the smaller SUVs, which is cool. But I also thought about okay, what's the next size up if you needed to go a little bigger? So here was my personal shortlist. Now I have to say the CX five is on my personal shortlist. I think that is a fantastic one. It is, absolutely. Dynamically it's great. If you can get one of the new ones, you can for your budget. That they've revised the styling, they've revised the interior. It's only gotten cooler looking. Mazda is killing it right now. They are. That is one of, I mean, here's the thing. I know there's a section of you out there going, not the CX-5 again. But again, because it is in that category, one of the most interesting ones to drive. And they've, as you said, they've nailed the market segment. Mm -hmm. They've done it very, very well. So find it and nailed it. And it's a Mazda. It's going to run. So CX-5 is definitely up there. Uh, you mentioned the Infiniti QX60 which is kind of, if you want to think about it, it's kind of the Acadia competitor from Infinity. is kind of what it is. Sure. I'm going to give you the more dynamic alternative. Don't do QX60. Even if you have to go use, do QX70. That is their rear-wheel drive biased. That's the one that used to be the FX35 That's that was right. the SUV. The shoe! It's a shoe! Exactly. It's, it's, and it still looks like the shoe, but it's awesome. Yeah. So it's rear-wheel drive biased. It still has mm -hmm. that good motor from the from the old G37 and the Z car. It's Z car related, but it's an SUV. <laughs> I love that you're finding Z car I, thread but, in but there. But we're talking That's about awesome. where's, the, where's the dynamic fun. So there it is. That's there it awesome. is in a five seat, and it's got you know good five seat setup. So that's that's a real one I would go with. I would say QX seventy. Look at that. I see your Macan, but the problem with the Macan is this. I think for your budget, forty five and less, you're going to be in a used Macan, and you may be in the base Macan, which is the four cylinder. True. I say toss out the Macan. If you if you really want to consider used Porsche, just go Cayenne. Bigger, more usable, better family vehicle. You will have more options for your budget because they've been making them longer. You could get yourself a 2012, which is the current body style, for 45 all day long. 
Right. I think any newer than that, they're going to be pushing the budget it's gonna a little be hard, bit. But, but 2012 but, is still the new body. But style. also right. the Cayennes have consistently drop faster than the Macans. Everybody wants the Macans. Yeah. The used prices on the Macans are staying really high. The Cayennes are dropping faster. Trust me, I'm looking because my wife will want another one <laughs> at some point. Uh, so, But anyway, so I think, I think Macan is, is out and Cayenne is your alternative. Uh, so I want to say that. Uh, and then I have to say there's another one that isn't mentioned on here okay. that's worth a look that is going to be in dealers very soon. The new Buick Regal Wagon. That great oh, looking wagon that, they're uh, about tour, to release. Tour X thing. Yeah. They're making the, the Sportback, which is kind of like the old Mazda 6, which is, looks like a sedan but is actually a hatch. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the full-on wagon. Hang on. Is this the first time it is. in three years on the podcast that Buick has ever been mentioned no, 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 no. We've or talked an enthusiast car. We've talked Regal GS before. I know we have. It's been we've talked about it, but have we? I'm pretty sure it? it's been somewhere in the wild card category before, but huh. it's not a common reality. But seriously, the new Buick Regal wagon, great looking car, full on wagon. It is. It's going to be right, right around 300 horsepower. There's there's very little wrong with this on paper. Now we haven't driven it. True. But on paper, there's very little wrong with this idea. I know it's a bit of a wild card, That's but I think that goes Quick. in there as well. Interesting. Well, we've added to the choices here, Mateel. You've already driven a ton, as we've said, but hopefully this is helpful. And, uh, yeah, you've got a few more things to narrow, narrow it down. Mm -hmm. I do want to actually acknowledge the Bolt real quick. The Bolt is a bit of a curveball on this list, I feel like, because it is the only all-electric mentioned. True. My, my two questions are, I'm assuming because it's on your list, you've driven it. And because it's still on the list, maybe it's still in contention. The big question there is just, does that fit the lifestyle of your family? I say there's no reason to not get a Bolt, but I will say this. Lease it. Agreed. Don't buy it. That Agreed. technology is changing so fast. I would lease your Bolt. If you're going to really consider that, if you think EV meets your life, I think that's a great consideration. It's absolutely a family car in space, but I would lease it because that's the way to try that technology. I think you're right. And to that point... I feel like car manufacturers are responding to ride sharing with models that really fit the ride sharing thing better than they do for families necessarily. That doesn't mean the bolt doesn't work and that you shouldn't go lease that and that you're just owning one. Yeah. But it's amazing how many bolts are in Southern California now as an Uber or Lyft sure. and they're leasing them for sure, that sure. purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. almost like Chevy designed the car for a ride sharing mm -hmm. person, you yeah. know, to to go do that or to go in on. Interesting point. So Interesting point. think about that, you know, but maybe it does fit. I'm just, I'm hmm. kind of wondering about the perception and the way car manufacturers are designing and making these new electric cars. So something to think about. We have a pile of questions as always, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you guys for responding. I've picked like six or seven and uh, that, that could take a while, but uh, we have many, many to cover. I do want to cover a few. Uh, Don, real quick on Facebook, I want to start right here. I've had this question come up one time before. This means that others out of you have, have, have thought this and I, I'm sure that I'll bring it up again. But Don asked why I pronounce Subaru as Sabaru. I'm glad you're clarifying. Um, that's not what I'm doing. Uh, Subaru is a vehicle manufacturer. I, I am aware that it is pronounced Subaru. I, I didn't miss this somehow. It's not a, it's not a weird facial tick. You were sick that day. Exactly. So I am aware that it is pronounced Subaru. The reason for Sabaru is because I used to own a Saab 92X, which is one of the least Saab vehicles in the history of that car uh, manufacturer. For two years, 05 and 06, Saab was making 
a what they wanted to be their new entry-level hatchback. They'd done some market research and discovered that the way to get new people into the brand was to offer a mid-$30,000 all-wheel drive hatchback, which they did not have one. <laughs> so at the time, GM, who owned Saab, also owned a good section of Fuji Heavy Industries, who makes Subarus. And they said, hey, Subaru, you're going to make this slightly restyled uh, Subaru WRX, and we're going to call it the Saab 92X, resulting in a <laughs> better-looking car. by marketing people. Oh, yes, absolutely. There was, a, there, was a market, uh, there was market research that resulted in a restyle and a new car. But I honestly still believe it is the better-looking WRX of that generation. I agree, definitely. I owned one of these. It is in badging a Saab. But don't raise the hood because right there under the hood on the quarter panel, it says Fuji Heavy Industries and Subaru. <laughs> and the steering wheel, the entire interior, it's an 05 uh, Subaru WRX. It just happens to have a Saab logo in the center of the steering wheel. It's a Subaru. Nothing that badges can't solve. Exactly. Perfect. Just you got a bin of badges over there. We'll make it a Saab. Give me five minutes. You go to lunch. <laughs> come back. Yeah. I'll have it make, make it into a Saab. So the joke among all those cars, among all those owners, is to call it a Sabaru. So anytime I refer to that car I owned, I refer to it as the Sabaru because it's a Subaru in a Saab suit. I love it. That's an excellent, excellent explanation. All right, uh, moving on to Eric Markstrom's question here who has asked us, what's the most important feature to make your fun car tolerable in bumper-to-bumper traffic? And also he said, uh, is this a shameless enough plug if he says, it's a radio so you can listen to the Everyday Driver podcast? Funny. I actually marked that as well because I have an answer <laughs> that it's nothing to do with the stereo. Agreed. I'm going to go with seats, Eric. It's got to be seats for mm -hmm. me. If I'm going to spend time, they've got to make me feel like my neck and head and body are still supported and I'm not going to get out and be cramped and, you know, yeah, <laughs> not happy with the yeah. world. For me, it's seats. I like that. I, I back your play there because I did have the two-hour across L.A. in a Prius well, that's and right. my back hurt. And that was not good. However, I think what, what is over and above everything is climate control. Because mm. if you're sitting still in traffic, think Houston, Phoenix, somewhere that gets hot and muggy, you, you are praying to the god of your air conditioner. That, that has sure. to work right. Sure. It has to. Or if you're commuting somewhere like we do here, and oh my gosh, the car says it's negative 10 outside, you need that heater. So I'm going to say, look, I can, I can cope with moving around and trying to cope with the bad seat. I can put headphones in and listen to my music on my phone. Please, car, please keep me warm or cool because nothing is more miserable than sitting there sweating to death or sitting there shivering. That's awful when you're sitting still. It's awful when you're moving. When you're sitting still, it's a whole other level of awful. I can see that. Although tour hours in a Prius. Didn't that movie already get made? It was starring <laughs> Brad Pitt called Seven Years in Tibet. It, it's similar. Wasn't yeah. that the movie? Yeah. Seven Years in a Theater is the joke for that yeah. film. But yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. A, a CPO question came in from Cajun Michael, who's asking about buying an out-of-state car. And if the car is CPO, does that make an independent pre-purchase inspection unnecessary? Mm, interesting. I say the answer is yes. And here's why. I bought my Cayman GTS that way. You did. It you was did. used good point. Very from good a dealer. Point. And what they had to do is the sales department has to drive across to the other side of the building and go to the <laughs> service department and say, make this car CPO. And the sales department has to pay the service department yeah. here, you know, oil changes and Budgets replace tires yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You're right. I mean, it's money changing hands inside the dealership. But it's department stealing. But yeah. they have to go through 
this entire list of what the car manufacturer requires it to mm-hmm. meet mm-hmm. for all these CPO items, and then they can bring it back around to the sales department and sell it. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, all you guys listening I, who are in sales and car sales and have done this, but it was CPO. They I didn't have to go get it inspected. I believe that you're right. They changed the oil. But in, but in your case, there's an on. extra element that I want to add here, Michael, and that is this. In the case of Paul's car, it was CPO, but it was CPO at the dealer where it was originally purchased and where all the service had been done. Yes, correct. So Paul, in one round of research, could find out not only is this car CPO and knew what that was, could look into the research of what does that mean, but then he could also trace the records of that exact car and everything that had been done to it since it was new. This this made the pre-purchase inspection kind of null and void. Yeah. They redacted the prior owner's name and address off of, of course, it, but of they, course they, 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 they have to. the entire have to. record history to mm-hmm. me so I could see, all right, everything, the guy had everything done, excellent, and done. You know, when I bought, uh, when I bought our Cayenne, they had done their little CPO deal. Mm-hmm. We still went and did a, a pre-purchase inspection because it was a it was a used car dealer. So we still went and got a, a PPI. But then I suspected, based on the little bit of information that I had, that the car may have been bought in Utah. And so I chased no down one of the Porsche dealers right here in Salt Lake, took them in the VIN number, and they said, oh, yeah, that's always been serviced here. No so kidding. I was able I to kind of find that. my way uh, with the VIN number back to get what you had originally, and that is all of the service records. So not only did I feel confident when I bought, and granted I bought locally, but not only did I feel more confident with the the dealer CPO and the PPI that I right. did, but then I was able to go find the backstory of all the records and go, this is what this car is, which is really helpful. So I think if it's hmm. CPO from a dealer where you can also find the records, Michael, I think that is a very solid place to be. Um, but that's the thing. The, the whole thing we're talking about, CPO, the back records have worked on, or the PPI, all you're trying to do is figure out the information and the history of the car so that you don't get surprised by something. There'll be something anyway, but generally you know. Sure, sure. No, that's that's excellent. All right, what else in here? There's a ton of questions here. Uh, Ray and Tyler on different platforms asked me the same question. Yeah, you got asked a lot of stuff on here. They asked, uh, have I had a chance to see Baby Driver? Mm-hmm. If so, what do I think? Uh, in general, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I haven't seen it yet. It's, it's Now you've got me curious. It's really fun. It's really fun. So we're seeing it in a um, theater, or should I wait for the airplane? Well, but oh, don't wait for the airplane. Airplane's terrible. You could wait. For, if you told me you were going to watch it at home on your nice TV, I'd say, okay, don't do the airplane. You need to see this on a halfway decent <laughs> okay. screen with good sound. So that means it's worth it. It's yeah, not just absolutely. You know, dialogue absolutely. or something like that. No, no, no. It's, I mean, it is what I, my wife didn't know the first thing about it. And we, we went out and had one of our date nights, which was great. And we, and we, I said, we're well, going to go to a movie. And she was like, okay, what do you want to see? And I said, I want to see Baby Driver. She said, you want to see what now? She had no idea what it was. <laughs> and one of the movies that we like actually is the movie Heat. Oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. imagine it's Heat, but from the getaway driver's perspective. And she was like, okay. And it was much more fun than either of us expected. There was that movie uh, that Ryan Reynolds was in a little while back called Drive. Right. Baby Driver was much more the movie I wanted Drive to be. Drive was actually kind of an underworld uh, character study. There was some driving in it, but it was more an underworld character study. This is a driving movie. I mean, it's still got some really good kind of heat-style sequences in it, some bank rob sequences that are awesome, but there's some really good driving. Most of the driving in it, thank you, is the opposite of Fast and Furious. It's legitimate, straight-up, good stunt driving which is really fun to see. The opening sequence is a star, star is a WRX. It just does. Fantastic opening sequence. There's a, a challenger in it 
that hmm. has that that whole sequence is great. Music in it is really awesome. I know I was talking it up almost I mean, too you're much. You're selling it. I'm I talking mean, it up almost too much. I, I've got to go see it. The other thing I will say is there's a Corolla used as a getaway car twice in the film. Ugh. You know the irony? This is the only spoiler alert I'm telling. Okay. You. There's a Corolla in the film twice. Both times he gets in a Corolla, he never gets out of the parking lot. I privately laughed in both of those sequences. <laughs> and while I'm at it, he gets in at one point an avalanche. And my wife elbowed me You're in the theater and went, he's about to hoon an avalanche. Because, of course, she was with me when we hooned my dad. Right, right. So that was fun as well. That's definitely worth seeing. And it's mostly legit. I will give my only critique on the driving. Okay. Not that I could do the driving in the film. I'm I'm certain... This isn't getting reported in the press, but I'm certain there are digital enhancements to some scenes. And what I mean by that is this is seamless. Oh, you have, you have an eye for catching things like that that most this people This is wouldn't. seamless you're never going to so, know. But what I mean is very you, possibly. you take a car through a scene and they're doing the stunt legitimately. But some of the stuff they're going around wasn't actually there. Some of it was. But then they've added like more stuff that it looks like we barely got past. Okay. Stuff's being added to make the obstacles a little larger or a little more complex than they actually were. This takes nothing away from the driving, by the way. But it's like that, uh, that BMW commercial that they did all the drifting through perfect cutouts. The cutouts were fake oh, until Chris Harris yeah. tried to do it for real. But the cutouts were fake. It's that right, kind of thing. Right. It doesn't take away anything from the driving. You're just adding, upping the, the difficulty by adding some digital inclusions. Hmm. Well, like I said, you've got an eye for that sort of thing. So very, very possibly. All right. Well, there's uh, a bunch of questions here that I simply have to address Please. about the M2 and this uh, <laughs> or lack of this story. The, the M2 is not coming. If you haven't heard and you're just catching up now, the M2 is not coming because the dealer couldn't deliver or get a car within 16 months. And so I pulled my deposit back and said, I've got to do something differently here. Of course, the deck on the back of my house is rotting and, you know, home <laughs> Life invades and you have a Cayman up. GTS. These are two things that have kind of kept you from, I really need an M2 right now. It's that whole joke, you know, Porsche or Porsche. Uh, nice. P porch? Oh, a stop. new porch or Porsche? Wait. Stop. I've already got the Porsche, so uh, I don't have any excuses. And I'm thinking, ah, what should I do? So I love that everybody is offering their suggestions. Smith JF, <laughs> uh, what else? Raiden uh, underscore Motorsport, and uh, Hector Arrivalo nails it on Facebook. He says, "Why don't you take that M2 money and trade the Jeep for a Porsche SUV?" Upon which Tyler O chimes in and says, "You can call it Porsche's Paul's Porsche Palace." Thank you, gentlemen. Ridiculous. Because this this is the idea that I had as well and brought up to Paul. And he kind of hadn't thought of that. So thank you guys for backing my play on that because I think that's the answer. I'm actually kind of considering that now. I mean, the Jeep I like, but I can't say I love. You don't Porsche like it. This is the problem I don't with Porsche the Jeep. like it. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So maybe I'll look into that if this stupid rotting wood can. <laughs> oh, man. It's held together just by the paint. On the exterior, that's I think it's, it's just bad. sloshing yeah. with water inside where the wood should be. Yeah, and so, and, and yeah. that's when my father-in-law buys a tub of that, uh, what is that, wood paste stuff oh, that tries no. to do wood filler. And that, that only makes it worse if you're paying attention to home. wood filler on the there's, planet. There's never enough wood filler. It's all bad. I just, all right. Yeah, home projects invade and prevent us from buying sports cars. <laughs> what is the deal with that? I don't need a deck. I'll just stay inside. So, uh, yeah, I love these other suggestions about, you know, buying a Mustang GT350. Yeah, and yeah. 
totally yeah. different experience All there. Be a fun long term Which is great. Yeah. But uh, I even, you know, sell the Cayman. Take all that money and buy a 911. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Hi, yeah, yeah. To be continued, right? If the if the 997 GT3 RS40 weren't, I don't know, a half million dollars, yeah. we could chase one of those cars. So that means I'd have to sell the house. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole different thing, and still scrape still money together. Still scrape yeah. money together. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Let's see. Alex uh, wrote in on Instagram, and he said uh, he's he's calling out. We had kind of calling out the ones where people call us out specifically. Yeah. He's calling me out and going, "Okay, if I'm the Lotus guy, why on earth do I want to talk about the X Siege?" Good question. Good question. Here's I the like number. This. Here's it's the true. number one reason why not. I'm a guy that yes, I'm obsessed with the Lotus. I want to street drive the Lotus. I don't want to just track drive the Lotus. The problem that I have with the Exige is you have no rear window. That mm. car has a massive problem already with visibility. I mean, it's just it's a hard car to see out of. You're down there. You, like I joked before, you're down there. You need a little orange flag over your head because nobody sees you. You are. It is entirely your responsibility to see what's going on around you because nobody knows where you are. The Lotus is tiny like that. F three fifty mirrors on the outside of the Exige. Maybe and a, and a balloon over my head. It's these kind of things. It's you know <laughs> and a drone following you. Seriously, with a live it's, feed. It's to the all of that stuff. You. But no. So so that's the problem. It has a major visibility issue anyway. With the Exige, you lose your rear rear window, which is not great. But you don't realize how much you need it until you get in a car that doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it, it, it's like it is like losing part of your eyesight. Because suddenly you realize, I can't look behind me at all. I can't do it. I mean, it's like driving a truck, you know, like a moving van or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just rely on But at on least nobody misses you in the, in the moving True. van. True. And the, the mirrors on difference. the Elise and the Exige are tiny as well. So now you have a serious visibility problem. I don't recommend it because I'm thinking about an Elise on public roads, not just as a track car. And I want as much visibility as possible. And the Exige loses it. You could argue, but the Exige is more powerful, except... Starting in about 2008, you could get the factory supercharged Elise, which is almost as powerful as the Exige's, and I actually like it more even with the supercharger, but you keep your rear window. Mm-hmm. So if you were going track car, Exige, I get it, do that. But if you're streeting your Elise, th- this is the reason I go Elise over Exige every time. Jesus has a question for both of us, as a matter of fact, from design perspective from me and logic from you about volume knobs in cars. And he's saying we've seen a lot more car companies just going with screens and no button or no knob here. And he's saying all auto journalists complain about this on new car reviews, but it's not a big issue for him since he's just using the steering wheel control volume, um, volume control on that. And he can kind of see why this is an issue. I have a bone to pick with Porsche. As a matter of fact, you wait, what now? I check this out. The new Panamera Turbo. Yes. That we recently went on a drive with the yes. owner. Mm-hmm. Everybody said, oh, yeah, deploy the rear spoiler, the rear wing. We want to see it. 20 minutes later. We were I jumped in the car to help him find where it was in the prior generation that was roundly criticized for having too many buttons. I loved the buttons, by the way. We had to. Dive into submenu after submenu uh-huh. on the brand new uh-huh. screen, yeah. and then we figured out okay that that I okay that's what it means, and then he pushed it, and then it didn't. He didn't know how to deploy it manually. Yeah. Of course, it does it while he's driving. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't know, and we're sitting there trying to. Of course, we could have gone straight for the instruction manual, but then you're having to read the instruction manual yeah. for what should be a button. Yeah. Now 
that's a little bit more obscure feature that you don't need to use all the time. True. For the major ones, the big ones, fan control and volume knob and the things you always yep. reach for, yep. those have got to be analog controls. Mm -hmm. I think that's a human ergonomics thing. Oh, I agree. I rather agree. than a design perspective mm -hmm. thing. But you're right, Jesus. I mean, I don't understand it either. Those kinds of submenu things, and it shouldn't even be just a slide. It should be something you can use almost with gloves on. It's a tactile knob. Despite not being a truck. Gloves is a great point. I mean, truck tactile buyers. knob you and, should be able to reach for. Yeah. And there's also muscle memory. When you, when you have a knob in the same place every time. That's true. You That's can true. now reach for that knob and hit it and not even really look. It can be in your far peripheral vision because you know exactly muscle memory where that yeah. is. You're right. Volume knobs, the, the stereo control volume knob, which, and by that I also mean like the power. To turn mm -hmm. it on and off. Mm -hmm. that, that should be a knob associated with the climate controls because of usability. You can do the, – the, the great thing about touchscreens is how much usability you can put into one small space of the car. That's never going away. It's only, it's only going to go there. further. I get it. I do get it. Uh, and, and you have people like you know BMW when they first introduced their iDrive, everybody roundly hated it. Now it is by far the best system out there because it has mm -hmm. that knob that has a tactile sensation to it, and you can understand the menus. And it's got haptic, and it it feels great. It yeah. works wonderful. Oh, yeah. But still, I want a knob that just does volume, and I want this for climate control, and that's it. Because those you use all the time. There should be no sub menus ever for those things, and no touch screens. Agreed. Fan speed included. It shouldn't be touch, 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 just to turn the fan up. I just need a knob. Just yeah. give me a knob. Yeah. And you notice that less and less are car manufacturers going to just a digital display only, kind of like the S two thousand. They still have, even though they're electroluminescent, sure, it's their round analog yeah. look to them. Yeah, that's a good point. So we're using modern technology to replicate, to replicate old school. Yeah. Old Why box. is the save icon in Microsoft Word a floppy disk? The save on everything is a floppy disk. <sighs> but it's the same thing. I had this conversation with a, with a friend today. We were talking about car technology, and we were talking about how you represent things. And I said to him, how do you walk up to somebody outside their car window and, and motion to them to roll down their car window? <laughs> you don't. Great. You don't put a finger. Just You don't take one finger and push down in the air. You, don't, you never do that. You do the wind motion. Right. When is the last time anyone listening has had a wind-down car? People know this wind motion that have never been in a car with wind-down windows. Why do we know this? That's hilarious. Why are camera functions based on old-school shutter speeds and yeah. ISO that had to do with film. Sure. But we the, live in the digital age. It the can wind, be anything. The wind down window is my absolute favorite. That's Every, pretty good. Everyone knows that. And I think there are plenty of people using it that have never done that motion in their life. The international symbol for the claw. Oh, of course, honey. That means roll your window down. <laughs> exactly. What is he doing to me? Like saying, come here? Or yeah, no, Nobody does that. It's the wind motion. It's That's universal. Hilarious. What else? Anything else before we wrap things up? Uh, Christoph did ask this question, and I want to speak to it really quickly. And that is, he said, okay, he's admitting that we all hate CVTs, constantly variable transmissions. We all hate them. They're soulless things. That's his word, not mine. But, of course, they're there for efficiency. So his question is, because, of course, you like Porsche, I like Lotus. If Porsche or Lotus could get it right, would we embrace it? I'm going to say to you really quickly, Christoph, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the problem that I have with a CVT, everyone I've ever driven, is the fact that it doesn't really know how to get it right. It's constantly hunting. Yeah, it's pretending. It is, it is constantly in a situation of searching for the right ratio. And the great thing, and, the, and that's why, you know, we talked about it with Edgar earlier. Subaru actually has a halfway decent CVT because you can say, no, 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 I want third gear. There is no third gear. 
but the CVT goes, well, that's this ratio, and I'll just hang out there. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually make the CVT make decisions and stick with it. It's the constant grinding that is so annoying. And and the last time I drove one was a Corolla, which made it worse, was a Corolla CVT, and I went up and down a hill, and you have never heard a car hunt for what it should do with itself more than it did on a hill. It was a hill. Yeah, Plus, so, you were in a Corolla. That made it worse. But yes, if they could figure it out and dial it in, I mean, we, we complement the eight-speed ZF transmission in pretty much every car they drop it in. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you know what? It competes with the dual clutches of the world. It is that good. Yeah. So it's not, yeah. about, it's not about we just don't want these transmissions. It's make them great, make them engage like they should, make them... Uh, you're talking about this one being soulless, making a transmission where you're like, this is working with me. It's working ahead of me. That's why we like the PDK. It's ahead of you. Yeah, very true. Make a CVT that good, I'll buy a CVT, sure. Very true. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Guys, thank you so much. Don't forget the pilgrimage trip, as we've talked about at length. Just another quick reminder for you, you are definitely invited. We'd love to have you there. This is get it all out. I mean, this is this is medicine for your driving <laughs> soul, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you have the disease, this is this might be your cure, at least for a little while, until you decide <laughs> I have to go back. Thank you guys for all the questions again, and keep writing your car debates to Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or find us on the everydaydriver.com website to submit your own car debates. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.